Or, and with Tyree, we thought it might just be a story about a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, which I think is a pretty great story. But it turned out there was so much more there. And this blended and mixed family seems like a great family. And we've had a great time here in Pennsylvania. It's the Story Trek. We hope to see you next time. Somebody's at the door. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. You've just listened to part of our show. Is there anything you're wondering about? Do you have a question you need answered or a thought to share? Maybe you have a story you'd like to tell. Call into BYU Radio during one of our talk shows and chat with one of our hosts. The number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We'd love to hear from you. Just call 855-CHAT-BYU. Hey, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, do you feel like everything is going too fast for you? You know, maybe the modern innovations are accelerating your already fast-paced world. You're finding it too hard with too many choices, too many options, too many things to do? Well, coming up on the show today, our guest Holly Green is going to give us the secret of how to slow down, actually how to speed up while slowing down. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show, After the News with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A major snowstorm has been lashing the Great Plains today, causing at least one death and forcing numerous airport delays. The storm has also knocked out power in some communities as it continues to push east. Vice President Joe Biden drew a hard line today at a gun control conference just 15 miles from the site of the tragic Newtown shooting. Biden says it is unacceptable to not take action that will curb gun violence and there will be a moral cost for inaction. As the Obama administration continues to push for new gun control measures, the National Rifle Association is also seeing a boost. Their political action committee saw $1.1 million in donations just last month. As national policymakers continue to argue about guns, Las Vegas authorities are now searching for the driver of a car who allegedly shot at another vehicle early this morning. The attack led to the death of three people in two separate vehicles. Senator Rand Paul made a surprising and symbolic gesture today, returning $600,000 from his office's budget to the Treasury. Paul's move is meant to show just how easy national spending can be cut back successfully. A new study from Oceana shows that fish served in restaurants, especially sushi bars, is often not actually what the menu says it is. Of 120 nationwide samples labeled as red snapper, 28 different kinds of fish were found. In world news, India announced plans today to launch a Mars mission later this year. The mission is set for October but has caused some controversy with space exploration being so costly, critics say the money could be better spent helping India's poor. And Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi announced parliamentary elections will be held this coming April, with a new parliament convening on June 6th. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall.
afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. Our journey to a smarter life. It's the goal of the show to give you the tools, the ideas you need to create a healthier, happier life. Welcome to the program, everybody. Today, we've got a great show in store for you. We've gathered the gang around. Today, we're talking about time management, how to manage our lives a little bit better, maybe how to slow down a bit and uh, see what life could offer us if we were actually present. And we had a really perfect metaphor for this. Um, You know, I think we assume that we all know how to manage time, for example, because, hello, you were born and you have a watch, so you obviously know how to manage your time. However, time management is a very complicated thing. And the model I'd like to use, an example, it's like, let's just say, time management, let's say, is like giving someone a high five. And let's just say that you have somebody in your team that's with on the show with us today named Jess, Jessica, that has a hard time. Why are we pointing fingers, number one? No, there's no finger pointing. We're it's here. This fingers. is just an intervention. Um, but it's hard to sometimes give somebody a high five. We're noticing. Well, it's not hard for a lot, most people. But Jess, you have, a trouble, you have some trouble with that. I do. Why? It's just it's, I get excited, I think. Yeah. I get excited. You wanna like you wanna slam the hand down. <laughs> so anyway, she had a hard time today. Uh, I don't remember how it started. Did it start with you, Matt? It started with the high five. <laughs> it Madison started, yeah, Bryce. Extended the hand. Oh, was it no, Bryce? It was Bryce. Bryce extended the hand for a high five and Jess just kinda what'd you do? Overreach? I it. <laughs> she she caught the outside of yeah. my pinky. Yeah. So like yeah. Like, it was like center. Like ninety three percent of the hand <laughs> was missed. Was missed. Center bottom. But it, but the, so we could give her an A for effort. Let's give her that. And but you would think you would just know how to hit the palm of another person. You would think. <laughs> and then you tried it with Madison, and it still didn't. You kind of hyperextended your elbow before you reached her hand. Yeah. But it seems like there could be a lot of injuries and in, in yeah. the art of high five giving. Well, that's with why Jessica. I'm worried about her because I don't want her to like dislocate a shoulder <laughs> doing a little high fivey. But this is like, so I'm, I'm equating this to time management because we think it should be natural. It's not. It's hard, isn't it, Jess? That's right. It takes practice. And so we're going to work you through that today. There's Everyone's hope. been trying to extend the hand. And you're getting better at it. But, I, yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't like to slow down. There's a rhythm excited. to it. There is. Yeah, so, and there's a reach. Gotta, you got to reach. You kind of have to let the hand come to you a little bit. <laughs> You don't want to force the hand, right? <laughs> so um, this is a lot like time management. There's a rhythm to it. Sometimes you need to work hard and just kind of be out of control for a while. And then sometimes you just can ease up. Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen with your calendar. You just got to relax and then let it all happen. Does that make sense? Come together. And then all of a sudden, wham, you got perfect high five. <laughs> I about cried right there. <laughs> Beautiful speech. So, so anyway, we're talking about uh, we're talking about time management today and how you might be able to really just slow down. And by slowing down, actually slowing down is the key to speeding up. You know, sometimes you got to get it right. <laughs> I learned this trying to park a car when I was a kid. You can try to do it fast. You can try to do it slow. Slow into the garage, usually better. Just make sure you're straight. Then you can speed it up and then hit the brakes and then hit the back of the garage. Um, We're talking time management today. I want you to be thinking about it. Do you have issues in your life with time management? Can you, do you have a hard time saying no to people? Do you say yes to everybody? Uh, And is that impacting your life? Do you feel like it's hard to actually just, 
you know, get your life back. If you feel like you've lost your life, today's the day. We're going to have an expert on that's going to be helping us with this. Holly Green, who is, um, she's she's done a lot in time management and uh, kind of life management as well as been an executive for a lot of really big companies. She's a consultant extraordinaire. She's also the author of More Than a Minute, How to Be an Effective Leader and Manager in Today's Changing World. We'll be talking with her later today. But if you want to talk to Holly and ask her questions about your own life management issues, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Anybody that gets on the the air today with us, we'll get a copy of a book, either Holly's or my own, and we'll take care of you, hook you up that way. So uh, before we do this, though, we like to do this funny little thing we call the Human Headlines. Real news that affects real people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Human Headlines. Human Headlines. The human headlines are the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that we just try to learn from the rest of the headlines of the world. See if we can't derive any, you know, joy, a little laughter, and maybe a little lesson. Who's got the first news story? That would be me. Madison Alfredo. Mm-hmm. What you got, Maddie? Well... Song? Um, you know, as it. time management, you use the analogy of, you know, extending your hand. So yes. we, there are some people in the world that need to extend their hand in friendship. What? Yeah. So what happened what is are we in the 1850s, about? India had given England this huge diamond. Really? I think it's like 105 carats. Was it an engagement ring? No, it was okay. not. Pretty big, though. Big, though. And it was put on the top of their crown. And now India wants it back. Hold it. They gave a gift. And now they want it back. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Christmas, you can't you can't take a gift back. Can't be like, uh, Mom, I uh, mm, mm. could I just could I just take that? I want that. No, could I just French? take it from you? Why wouldn't the French take the Eiffel Tower back? Are you mean no, no. Statue no. of Liberty? Liberty? Yeah, I was like, I was thinking the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I was with you. I was with Statue of Liberty. What if they asked for the Statue of Liberty back? <laughs> Thank you, Sky Boy. Your timing's impeccable. <laughs> While we're talking about time management, boy, he wakes up for that and he's still a minute late. Oh, well. Uh, so wouldn't they want that back? That's not fair. If, uh, Keep your hands off our statue. I mean, if they wanted mm-hmm. it, why'd they give it? Yeah. Yes. In the defense of the people of India, it was like the governor of India back when it was, you know, oh. under England's rule that took it, you know. So, so he stole it and then gave it away. <laughs> yeah. Well, sounds It was fencing. He was fencing the diamond. <laughs> it's an illegal practice. If you think about it, it kind of when when they ruled uh, India, they kind of extorted the entire yeah. country for a few hundred years. So maybe it so, wasn't a gift from India as much as an extortion. <laughs> you know, yeah. they had stolen it. So maybe they have a better claim. Yeah. Maybe it's not so much like that. Hmm. Yeah. So either way, it's just really tricky because I can yeah, see what do you do? from... How do you get it? I mean, and, or do you just give them the money? Yeah. Okay. It's well, one of the crown jewels, right? Uh, yeah. It is literally the biggest jewel in the crown. It's like the one on the top. Wow. And so, yeah. It's you know big. what? Cubic, cubic zirconium. <laughs> fake diamond. What, what's that again, Matt? What is it? Send him a fake diamond. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Give him a diamond. You know, they look real. And a lot of those fake diamonds are just as expensive as a real diamond. Yeah, no. Maybe that wouldn't work either. Okay. And then we're just extorting again. Yeah. But either way you look at it, I mean, I can see the English perspective like, no, this is like on our crown. You know, it's our history. But then, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. How do you revamp? How do you get give back in history? I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, just so, this happened a long time ago, and now we're still paying for it, I guess, is what they'll be thinking. Yep. Hmm. That's a human issue. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it's not ours. 
That's uh, they get to figure that out, but we still now have to figure out if the French stole the Statue of Liberty from some other group of people, mm. and then fenced it to the Americans. Yep, there you go. I'm no historian, but <laughs> life gets very, very messy. Who's got another headline? Something. That hey Jess, high five right here. Uh, almost at her. Almost at her. Oh, she poked my eye out. You didn't even come close to my hair. What you got, Jess? That didn't really happen. Okay. Um, something that is our issue. Yes. Is daylight savings is coming up. Yes. Madison said this isn't news because it happens every year. <laughs> but I think it's news. Okay, I, don't I need like to be this. reminded. I, I like it. I like it in the winter because you gain time. I hate this fall. Okay, this spring one. You lose an hour. Mm-hmm. Spring forward. It's March tenth, two a.m. We're see, going to three a.m. See, we're losing time. A time management. Hour. See, and people say you can't manage time. Well, we are. We just added an hour. We're just creating it. Look it's at that. just boom. America, it's, it's, look it's at us go. Out of nowhere, we're adding time. It's, it's amazing. So that's an interesting thing. You, you are. You think this is newsworthy because why? Because it's coming up <laughs> in three weeks. I wow. like to be reminded well in advance. So you can get your clocks right. So I can sleep more. <laughs> no, be- <laughs> oh, you need to get your, your timing, your rhythms down. No, better yet, I like to be warned when the clock in my car will finally be correct for another six months. <laughs> yeah. You need to, you'll have to get your manual out and figure out how to reset your clock. You might want to learn to do that if you're going to nah, keep just, the car very just long. six months off, whatever. Six months on, cool. You know, it's interesting. I wonder if we still need this whole daylight savings thing. Okay. Let's ask the guy from Iowa. Farmer. Do we need it? Yeah. Um, Isn't it fits for farmers, right? I have, I have, I have no idea. I thought it was so I the farmers like... had more time in the fields. Okay, we'll I go do with have that. research on this. We'll go with that one. <laughs> okay, we're going to come back. Jess is going to. But us... I kind of like playing the ignorant card during this one. Well, you're I, I don't. It, I don't you're like. I don't it. like to be warned because then I can sleep in the next day and just be like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, didn't set it's my Sunday. clock. Yeah, I didn't hear it in the news because oh, my, Jessica never brought it up. Yeah. So <laughs> don't tell me again. <laughs> that was good though. What were you going to say, BT? From what I understand, some guy in New Zealand liked picking up bugs. He was a biologist or something. Yeah. And he wanted more hours when the bugs were out. So he implemented this idea of daylight savings. And now we've all got it. Wow. Um, serious, serious. I think it has no. something more to do with the farmers. <laughs> no, no, that's what it was. And then for some reason, people grabbed onto it and they've made up stuff like the farmer thing and saving electricity and it's all that. It's a rumor. That. So is this, is this guy still picking up bugs? Nah, he died in like he died. 19. <laughs> like it's been, he's but been maybe gone. we're just doing it in memory of this guy. I don't know. The bug it's guy. silly. I'm going to say I don't think so. Okay, you've <laughs> got some research for us? Yeah. They started it because of World War One. Well, that war's over. We all know that. Yeah. Well, they kept doing it because they think it saves. I mean, it's better for the daylight. Yeah. Obviously, they have and more then, of it. Uh, they they keep doing it because they think it saves energy. I want to know why Arizona doesn't do it. You know why? I don't know why. That's I want. I want to know why. Well, because it re- it gets really confusing no, for me. No. Because I've got family in Arizona. Have you ever heard of the Arizona Cardinals? Yes. That's why. That's not why. <laughs> they're always just, they're just always different. They don't win. The football team. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm I don't think the, I don't think it has anything to do with the Cardinals. Arizona doesn't doesn't do daylight savings time. They don't. I did know that. Yeah. I think they're well, sm- I think it's because we talked about it yesterday. They're from a culture of honor, um. and no one's going to tell them what their time is. People from Arizona know what their time is. 
and they like it the way it is. Because isn't it one of the isn't it one of the, the um, what do they call it? Isn't it one of the areas where the seniors all go to retire? Maybe. So they don't want to switch the time up. They're they're all in bed by seven anyway. I'm not sure. I like when you don't know an answer. You just say whatever comes just, to mind with such conviction that mm-hmm. it makes it sound it's right. It's just debate. <laughs> I don't know. That would be – you know what? I want you to call someone in Arizona. Hey, if you're in Arizona, I want you to call in one eight five five chat byu and you tell us why you don't do daylight savings. Why do you not pay tribute to some bug collector in New Zealand <laughs> or to World War One, Or it's to the over. farmers in Iowa. Or to the farmer, farmers in Iowa. We want to know from you. This is a great news story. See how all the legs it's got? Do you have more research, or was that all you had? Um, I have some more stuff, but you know. Well, you did great. Let's just go on to the next one. High five on that one. <laughs> oh, my lip. Uh, not even close. Done. Not even close. You got to aim for the hand. Always aim for the hand. By the end of the show, we will nail this. We'll have this down. We're, well, just so those that are joining us, Jess is learning how to do a high five. And what we've all promised to do is none of us would move our hands, and we wouldn't do the high five while moving or walking. So we just gently place it up near her, and we, her goal is just to hit our hand. And you're doing great. You're almost – you're what are you? You're one for four. So you're, you're catching up. Okay, BT, what you got for us? Matt, how much time do you spend on Facebook? If you were to – A A day. A day, sure. Six hours. Six hours. That's kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do everything through Facebook. Okay. Well, I think you have a problem. I only watch, any vid- I only watch videos that are on Facebook. I only read what's on Facebook. I only look at the news that's on Facebook. All right. Well, I only talk to the, my family that, that like me and friend me on Facebook. Well, Matt, you also have a business, right? Mm-hmm. So I found some research on, they called it the cost of business, or the cost to business of social networking. Uh-oh, don't go there. Oh, get ready. This okay. is going to be pretty bad. Actually, tell. it's not going to sound that bad. Good. Um, well, one in every 33 workers mm-hmm. built their Facebook profile during work. That's that's not very bad. That's I mean when you think I, about that. I think it's I think it's a yeah. misleading in that it says one they built the entire thing. I bet <laughs> though. I bet if you think of how many workers have built their post-it note collection by stealing post-it notes from work, it would be it would be more four. than that. Yeah, right? 50%. It'd be more than that. Well, hold on. It gets worse. Oh boy. Um the ones who will access their Facebook at work? Oh, yeah, that's 61%. Yeah. That's me. Right, sixty-one percent of the time I'm on Facebook. 60%. That's that's not just <laughs> yeah. No, but, but when I'm like seeing a client and I'm talking to the client about their marriage problems, and I pull up Facebook, they get so. Do ticked. you pull up their Facebook? <laughs> I pull up mine. Yours, okay? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm already you know. talking to them. I don't need to be on their <laughs> Facebook. Page. They got enough coming from them. Yeah. You don't need. But you got to see. I mean, you don't want to like leave people hanging if they like ask you a question. <laughs> I, you just want to ignore them. Yeah, you just straight I, up yeah. ignore them. Um, well. There's another one. People are accessing Facebook for about 15 minutes per day. I'm going to assume at work. Who are who, is that all? That's all that they said. What losers? 15 Only 15 minutes. Only 15. They must not have very many friends. Also, they uh, they also pointed out in this that what uh, 83% can't come up with, or sorry, 87% can't come up with a good reason for why they're on Facebook at work. Oh man! As Call in when me. their boss is, hey, what are you doing? Research, research. I'm. I did a. I did a profile. Yes. I, I'm doing a profile on Facebook to see if we should sell this product or this product. So here's see one. how fast I came up with that. You and I'm my own boss, but I still lie like that. <laughs> I don't so you lie to yourself. I do. I would fire myself, <laughs> but my company would go under. 
<laughs> so get Sad. this. True. This, through, through all of this research and all their ideas with this, they've come up with uh, the, that 1.5% of total employee productivity is down. Well, it could be improved by because not. of Facebook. Yeah, if you got rid of Facebook, we're only work. talking Facebook. Only Facebook. But think about it. That's one point five percent. If you yeah. generalize that to, I don't know, like the country. Yeah, one point five percent. That's a lot of money. One point five percent of a hundred thousand dollar a year salary. Hmm? Don't math at me. Don't. Uh, it's... I'm just throwing, I'm throwing some. I'm a behavioral scientist. Oh, I don't mean. do math. But <laughs> that'd be fifteen hundred. What about the? So that's just Facebook. What about? Because I also do LinkedIn. And I do Tumblr. Don't even know what it is, but I'm tumbling everywhere. Tumbling around. And I do Twitter, and I do the other one with the uh, the other one, uh, Instagram. So so that's probably you know that's 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 above and beyond my six hours. So what you're saying is you could quintuple the money you make mm-hmm. by not social mediaing. Yes, that's a great, and that's a great. That is a great way to put it. Okay. I've never heard that word, that verb. You are so eloquent, Bryce. Mm-hmm. He's eloquenting. I can words. You can word hard. <laughs> You're a hard worder. I don't feel bad about my high fives no, anymore. <laughs> oh, she nailed it. She nailed you it. Did, you had an idea what to say. Oh, I didn't meet you halfway. Okay. Oh, no, nope, we, that was just, oh, that was a little stutter. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up the show, though, and end the show right here uh, an hour and a half early. Um, <laughs> No, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into – we're going to let Bryce do a little rant uh, with some of his amazing wording that's darn good. And um, then we're going to bring our guest, Holly Green, on, and she's going to help us figure out how to slow – to go faster by slowing down. You know, it's a big deal. How do we get our lives back? Slow down a little bit. Maybe sometimes you've got to speed up. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On a chemical level, we're all left-handed. A new instrument in development might prove we live in a left-handed universe. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. So what's this about everybody being left-handed? Well, it's not about handwriting, but about organic chemistry and the search for life on other planets. You and maybe part of that hamburger you're eating are made up of proteins. The various proteins, in turn, are built from smaller substances called amino acids. There are 20 different kinds, and if you look at one on an atomic level, they have a sort of polarity called chirality. Aminos come in left-handed and right-handed chiralities, but on Earth, all living things we know of use only left-handed amino acids. And so far, samples of amino acids from comets and meteoroids also are all lefties. Stephanie Getty at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center won Innovator of the Year and a $1.2 million grant to develop a miniaturized instrument that can fly to icy moons and worlds and use liquid chromatography to see if this precursor for life exists out there away from Earth contaminants. Was Earth life seeded with left-handed aminos from early comet impacts? When perfected, Getty's device may help answer this question and more. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. In such a fast-paced world, 
Isn't it nice to slow down every now and then? Dean Duncan's approach to interviewing isn't about rushing through. He likes to take his time in getting to know his guests. Join us for This'll Take a While, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This just in. Uh, it is a true fact. It was George Vernon who? Uh, hold on, hold on. George Vernon Hudson. George Vernon Hudson was the uh, initial instigator of Daylight Savings Time, an entomologist, I'm assuming, a bug chaser, yeah. who needed an extra hour of time to chase those little critters. Yep. And apparently people in Arizona hate bugs. They don't care about collecting bugs. They're, They're anti-entomologists. We don't know why. We still haven't got a call. Apparently nobody in Arizona knows why they don't participate with the rest of us in this crazy idea of holding back our time so we have more light. Anyway, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. And uh, we're, who better? Who better to enlighten us about time, time management, and time dilation than our very own Bryce Leonard Tobin? Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. A few years ago, I was watching a TV show. I won't tell you which one because it's pretty nerdy and not crucial to the point I'm going to try and make. One character, let's call him Data for no particular reason. Data was conducting an experiment on the phrase, a watched pot never boils. The idea didn't make sense to him. He understands that time is constant. Under controlled conditions, water should take the same amount of time to boil. So he would watch the container, turn on the heat, note the time when it began to boil. Once it cooled, he'd turn the heat back on, ignore it, and note the time when it boiled. Lo and behold, all the times were identical, even after several repeated trials. Data was confused. Then another character walked into the room. I don't know, let's call him Will or Riker. Now, nah, let's call him Will. Will asked Data what he was up to. Data turned on the heat and started another trial with his experiment as he began to explain his little conundrum. Will explained that humans perceive time variably instead of as a constant. Then the water started to boil, Data was surprised, and a supernova went off in my brain as I had an epiphany about our perception of the universe versus the real universe, and life began to make more sense to me. I mean, when you think about it, it's a remarkable thing humans can do. We're quite literally defying the universe, and we just love to think that it's something that allows us to speed on through unpleasant or boring times and then really get the opportunity to savor important moments or be as efficient as possible when time is short. But come on, has this ever happened to you? Of course not. We have these giant brains that can fabricate impossible things that could never actually happen, and this could offer such an advantage in so many ways, but what do these brains do? They follow a very simple formula. The worse things are, the more the moment must be elongated. If you're enjoying something, looks like we better zip past this so we can make more room for unpleasant memories. I can't tell you what's more frustrating, the unwanted time or the utter waste of potential. We have no excuse. For example, we get up in the morning and we have all this time to get ready and mentally prepared for the day ahead. And I'd be willing to bet you don't even remember getting ready this morning. Your brain was turned off just like mine. So you leave your neighborhood, then you immediately hit traffic. The entire drive time was 45 minutes, but you feel 15 years older after your tenure in traffic this morning. 
Then you get to work, and when you're engaged in what's going on, time flies. But when you're stuck in a meeting or doing some tedious drone work, 5 o'clock cannot show up soon enough. And even when it does, you still haven't finished your tedious paperwork or whatever it was, and you can look forward to doing it tomorrow as well. So you leave work, traffic was there waiting for you. Same story as this morning. You get home feeling like you've just entered your 70s, and you have 5 hours that you can do whatever you want with. You grab some food, sit down, and what seems like three seconds, it's suddenly one o'clock in the morning. Not only have you not managed to enjoy anything or be productive, you also get to look forward to feeling like a zombie tomorrow. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Well, you just described my life. Thanks, BT. I do what I can. You know, sometimes when you do your rants, you seem angry. Uh, Passion. That was what that was. You nailed it. You nail it every time, except for the 70-year-old thing. What's wrong with feeling 70? I, I assume that's old. Is that oh, no brother, longer the case? You don't know. Old. No, old is 90. Duh. Okay, well, Wait I apologize to the people in their 70s who are yeah. listening. Now, but see, a 70-year-old probably goes home feeling like he's 90. Or 100. How's that? Because I'm young feeling like I'm 70. I'm young. I'm 44. Oh, 43, sorry. Hmm. Dead air. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Do you like that little pause? Dead air, everybody. You know, I actually thought that you were going to say something, but nope. then instead you just commented on how you ran out of ideas. Yep, right there. Just <laughs> emptied right out. My brain just emptied out all over the floor. Uh, today we are talking about, um, what do we call it? Just time, it's management. time management, but it's kind of like... You're overwhelmed. You got a lot going on in your life. How do you get more out of life? How do you not just let the world take over and just drive you to create more, to supposedly want more? I mean, I have all these new devices to help me save time, and every one of them just frustrates the living crud out of me. Don't know why. But uh, maybe it's because I keep thinking I need to just speed or keep getting faster and faster and faster. And the reality is maybe there's something about slowing down. So when we come back after this break... We are going to be talking to an expert in the subject. Her name is Holly Green. She is the author of More Than a Minute, How to Be an Effective Leader and Manager in Today's Changing World. She is the CEO of The Human Factor, Inc., and we'll be back with her right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Broadcast from the campus of BYU, the Wheatley Forum brings you topics ranging from fostering integrity to financial security. Join expert researchers and panelists to hear uplifting and motivating scholarly discussions. Tune in to the Wheatley Forum, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A major snowstorm has been lashing the Great Plains today, causing at least one death and forcing numerous airport delays. Storm warnings are still in effect from Colorado through Illinois, with some areas expecting around two feet. At a gun control conference just a few miles from the site of the tragic Newtown shooting last December, Vice President Joe Biden drew a hard line, saying there will be moral consequences if Congress refuses to act on the issue. 
As the Obama administration continues to push for new gun control measures, the National Rifle Association is also seeing a boost. Their political action committee saw $1.1 million in donations last month alone. Las Vegas authorities are now searching for the driver of a Range Rover who allegedly shot at another vehicle early this morning. The attack led to the deaths of three people in two separate vehicles. Senator Rand Paul made a surprising and symbolic gesture today, returning $600,000 from his office's budget to the Treasury. Paul's move is meant to show just how easy national spending can be cut back. Your fish may not be what you think it is. A new nationwide study from Oceana shows that out of 120 restaurant samples of fish labeled as red snapper, over 28 kinds of fish were actually found, with 17 of those not even being in the snapper family. In world news, India announced plans today to launch a Mars mission later this year. The mission is set for October but has caused some controversy. With space exploration being so costly, critics say the money could be better spent helping India's numerous poor. And Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi announced parliamentary elections will be held this coming April, with a new parliament convening by June 6th. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This just in. Some news. Deep from the heart of Arizona, we have Sonia Hansen joining us. Sonia is going to enlighten us on why Arizona chooses not to participate in the worldwide celebration of daylight savings time. Actually, it's not worldwide. But, Sonia, welcome to the program. (laughs) Thank you. So fill me in. What What is the deal with Arizona, first of all? Why first, would you choose not to play with the rest of us? To play with you? Yeah. We've, in never this... found a, we've never found a way to get the sun to change when it comes up and when it goes down. Really? What is Honest. your problem? Well, and we have a lot of sunshine in Arizona. That's it. And you know what? You, you're, probably, you're probably just, you don't need it because, A... You, you, you know you can't change it anyway, but B, you got a lot of sunlight, and you probably aren't growing a lot of crops, are you? Oh, we grow quite a few. Do you? But, not, but that doesn't change when they grow either. No, not true, huh? uh, One of the primary reasons early on was the commerce between Arizona and California. And so when they're on daylight savings time, then we're on the same time they are. Okay, yeah. So you, <laughs> but, it was, it's a business decision. Well, sort of, but they left it up to the voters, and I love and it. So we all had our own reasons. That's great. I think it's plus you're just a little rebellious. That's exactly no. We we set the standard, and the rest of the that's world true. chooses to go to, their own way. See, I think I think that's it. You're a leader. You're a leader, <laughs> and the less the rest of us kind of just. I, I mean, really, I don't think we've thought about it as much as the people in Arizona. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Now, let me fill you in on something else, We gave Sonia. it a brief try. Did you try it? And you just said, no, nah, this did. isn't working. And, and, it, and they voted it down well, <laughs> again. I'm glad. And I, I'm glad you have that insight. Now, some people don't know this, but Sonia, I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret here. Uh, Sonia yeah. is the grandmother of our very own Skyboy Hansen. Now, now, Skyboy is my board op here that wears capes and um, superhero clothing. 
And did you know that he does this, Sonia, or is that just something he does when he's away to college? Oh, who knows? <laughs> he's a cute boy. But by the way, when you when you called in and he heard your voice, I have never seen more fear in someone's face in my life. It was shock. I had no idea that she was listening. He sat right up and his eyes were huge. And was like, that's my grandma. (laughs) Sonia, it's like he's guilty or something. It's like we caught him. Of course. (laughs) He loves you to death. Is is he a good boy? He is. Is he? We're very, we love him a lot, and we're proud of him. That's great. Do you so think, can you can you tell him that one more time, Grandma? Can you tell him that? We love him a lot. We're proud you hear of that, him. Matt? Yeah. And we pray every day that he'll be a good boy. Well, so do we, Sonia. <laughs> hey, do you think he's going to get out of this police thing that he's in? <laughs> oh. I don't know anything about. The oh, thing. sorry, family secret. Okay, <laughs> just call him later. He'll let you in on that. No, Sonia, I'm kidding. He's nothing. He has not been arrested yet. He's been detained. <laughs> But, uh, well, I appreciate you calling and giving us that insight. He really is a good kid. Now, Sonia, does he get the red hair from you or from Doyle? Um, both. Really? <laughs> both sides of the family. Is it, it's, it's everywhere. It's coming from everywhere. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you're a great woman. Thanks for listening. And hang on, because we want to send you a copy of my book, okay? Oh, okay. Well, that will, it's, it's, it's not for you. It's for Doyle, your husband. <laughs> What, what's it about? It's called feeding the basic, the feeding the seven basic needs of healthy relationships. Oh, well, good. See, okay. Plus, um, it might help you we'll through the see times. If it works on Skyler. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been trying forever, Sonia. So, just know I'm working from my end. Okay. And you keep working from yours. Great, Sonia Hanson. Good to have you on. Hang on. She's a superhero's grandma. And we appreciate her insight into Arizona. She's, we're going to get your uh, name and number. Now, let's bring on another superhero. Um, we're going to be talking now to Holly Green. Interesting thing, um, as, we, as we get into this subject about time management, that's how we got onto the whole daylight savings thing, is uh, I used to teach time management for years. And so to have somebody to come on that, the show that understands, you know, time management, kind of how to be more effective in today's crazy world – we, we went looking, and we, we found somebody that I feel has kind of meets the mark. Her name is Holly Green. She is the CEO of The Human Factor, Inc. She's an experienced business leader, behavior scientist, top-selling author. Interestingly, she was the, the a previous president of the Ken Blanchard Company. Ken Blanchard's a, kind of a business guru who is known, really well-known in the business circles. His company operates and gives a lot of training to corporate America. She's done it all. She's worked with companies like Microsoft and Hilton Worldwide, Edwards Life Sciences, Google, as well as a bunch of other um, businesses. So, Holly Green, welcome to our program today. Thank you so very much. So good to have you. Holly, where are you calling from, by the way? Today I am in very snowy and cold Denver. Oh, wow. Yep, one state over from us. Yeah, we all got hit, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, Holly, fill me in on this, because apparently we're not going to be able to control time. Correct. Now, we've tried. Yeah, we do try. We've never been able to. And the funny thing is, is every person I talk to and meet with every single day tells me, you know, they just don't have enough time. They've got too much. They can never get it done. Right. And I, you know, I often laugh and say, you know, you are unique, just like everyone else. And yeah, so, Right. And uh, you have the same amount of time as Da Vinci, Edison, Helen Keller, Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa. Um, you know, let's put on your big girl panties and let's play because you've got the time. It's how you choose to use it. I totally agree. And it's, 
I mean, the funny thing, I guess we feel like we have less. We, we, we've got to have more choices, don't we, uh, at our disposal than maybe, you know, Gandhi and Mother Teresa do? I mean, because it just it sure feels like we do. I don't know if Gandhi had telemarketers. We have a lot more choices, and there is more potential for distraction. Exactly. But time's the same, people, right? Yeah. People get mixed up on the difference between the clutter mm-hmm. or the distractions and the potentials for that versus how much time they really do have um, to use. So it, it does feel like we're in a more chaotic, more harried kind of world, and it's only going to get faster right. from the sense feeling like that. Well, what are some of the um, things that are, what, what is it that's kind of bombarding us now? What are the trends you see in business and today that uh, that might be holding people back? I guess one is just the simple assumption that it's about getting more time. That's a, that's an, that's an impediment. Right. Bad assumption. The second one is, is that the most important thing in the world really can be accessed via your smartphone and or your computer. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I often meet with CEOs and other insanely successful people around the globe and ask them to go ahead and pull out their smart device and pull up for me their top strategies or goals in one to two clicks. <laughs> I have never had anyone that can do it. Yeah, that phone's um, not so they, smart then, is it? Yeah, but so what they can pull up is the, the email where they were, you know, notified that they won the Nigerian lottery again. Um, <laughs> Hold on, are other people winning that? Oh, man, Holly. I think it's a scam because I've won it twice and I've never made a dollar. (laughs) The really sad thing is 3% of people still respond with their bank account information. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, but that's the interesting thing is we've got all of these distractions, and it's so much easier today to have those distractions. You know, as your other... um, program was talking about just a little little bit earlier about Facebook and the access to everything, of course I can look at it. And, you know, I really couldn't do that 10 years ago. Right. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's right. Well, I mean, like you said, bring bring up your business strategy and all that. Or how about, um, tell me what your son's feeling right now. I mean, that's something that I won't get on my phone, but I might be sitting right next to him and never accessing his feelings or his concerns or his worries or, I mean, and that's pretty important. Yeah, Yeah, we've convinced ourselves, like I said, we've skewed this model in our brain um, uh, that the most important things are on that device, whatever that device happens to be for us. We've also skewed our brain um, when we start looking at the neurophysiological aspects of this to this belief that speed is more important than survival. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. People running red lights. It has become commonplace. In fact, the majority of people in the United States will run at least one a day. Wow. Well, really? that's an interesting, yeah, that's a very interesting statistic. That's scary. When you, yeah, it's very scary. Step back and you think about speed has become so important to us that we seek something fast but not necessarily the right thing. Hmm. So when I talk about really go slow to go fast, what I'm talking about is accessing your brain, thinking a little more. Sometimes it's a matter of slowing down for 15 seconds, pausing just a bit every now and then. Um, And so we kind of have a series. We teach people about the brain and how to really access it because your brain as an adult human is amazingly manipulatable. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what's so great about it. <laughs> you don't even have to accomplish something. You can just make up excuses. You can 
yeah, you can you can complicate your life. I mean, yeah, it's a great thing. It, the problem is it doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Well, it could. It's just that exactly the examples you just used, nine times out of ten of the, what we call thought bubbles or just bubbles that mm-hmm. pop up in your head are, are skewed to the negative. Why we can't, why it's going to be a problem, why we don't, yeah. what's wrong with it, instead of when this worked out really well, how have I looked at it? When this has been the most successful day of my life so far, what did I get accomplished at the end of the day? Um, what can I have learned from this, even though it was a horrible experience? You know, we tend to skew much more to the negatives. And then that starts really early in childhood. You know, you're told no nine times more than you're told yes. And there's, there's a lot of reasoning for that. The bottom line is we find that pretty much a global phenomena. And so you, you have to be conscious of those thought bubbles, those beliefs or mental models that you have and intentionally choose to have different ones because you're surrounded with negative. And that's why you slow down, right? We're slowing down to to kind of make sure we're on the right page or the right map before we just go drive down the road, right? Well, while you're slowing down, there's a lot of things that I would want you to do. So um, we talk about pause, think, focus, and then run. So when you're pausing, I want you to think. I want you to think about what you're thinking about. I want you to think about other people's perspectives. I want you to think about consequences. I want you to think about alternatives. And again, some of these things could be a matter of moments or seconds. And I want you to get insanely, obsessively focused on excellence or winning. Hmm. Because if you're not playing to win, what are you playing? And I talk to a lot of people about this. You know, you're just kind of hanging out to not lose if you're not playing to win at best. That's kind of a bad offense, right? <laughs> or defense. Yeah, most, to play not to lose is... Actually, yeah, most people don't actually play to lose. So yeah. let's say at best you're playing to just hang out and not lose. Yeah. And you know, that includes all the things like that's not the way we do things here. Management won't let us do that. We tried that once before. That won't work. Blah, 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 blah. We have a million phrases that we uh, go to as safety nets to justify that playing to not lose. And people, the more we have these potential distractions and clutters in our world, the more potential there is to allow those things that are mostly negative to fill the space. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not? It's easy. It doesn't demand exertion or accountability. It's just let's just float our life the rest of the life. Yeah. And, And when you're just running, you tend to default to doing and not thinking. Right. Exactly. Which keeps us stuck, huh? Yeah, you're acting from an instinctual place, and the instincts that served you well the last 10 years are not the same instincts you need for the next 10. Right. Right. Go talk to anybody at Kodak or Blockbuster, right, Sears. We right. could go through a very, very long list. Um, they're so clear that just because you've been successful, you know, what got you here ain't going to get you to that next spot. That's the change, huh? We just, it's this, there's something it seems like we're so uh, uh, averse to change. And yet it's because so I'm, our future. You would think it would be the, the key to human survival is our ability to continuously push on the change. Well, interestingly enough, I would tell you, I think the key to our survival was, for thousands of years, the fact that we we did the same instinct. So think about this for a minute. You're in your cave. You're a caveman. Yeah. You walk outside and just saber-toothed tiger. You either have a really big club and you hit the saber-toothed tiger or you run the other way. Right. Next time you walk outside, you don't have to 
think about that. You react instinctually. You know what to do. Actually, I would send so, someone else outside to check for a tiger. <laughs> That's called learning. <laughs> and if he comes back, I'm good to go. You know what I mean? See, but that's, yeah, but that's true though, huh? I mean, that, that is learning. And and we would, then it would kind of get ingrained in our DNA and we'd, you know, we'd run with it. Why aren't we doing that anymore? Well, our brain likes what it already knows. It seeks what it's familiar and most comfortable with. Hmm. We're not set up as creatures to really dig change because it's unknown. Well, yeah, it's unpredictable, huh? We want predictable. Yep. And it's that, I guess that's what our brain does, huh? Even if even if the ch- there's a change happening, our brain actually makes it seem like it's not. So it makes yeah. it almost feel predictable again. Does that yeah. make sense? So then, then all of a sudden, we don't even like Kodak or Blockbuster doesn't even see the change that Redbox is making or that Netflix yeah. is making, and they kind of poo-poo yeah. it in their own little paradigm. And then all of a sudden, boom! Yep, they're so owned. You know, our, our greatest tendency is to prove ourselves right. Hmm. And because we only screen a very small slice of data that we're exposed to actually into our brain and think about it and process it, um, it's really easy to find one nugget of data, even if it's just anecdotal, to prove ourselves right. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, no, because one time we did blah, 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 and that's what happened. Twelve so, years ago. Yeah. Always going to happen. Boy. Yeah, we tried that once before. That won't work. Yeah. How do you so that's interesting because that's that that survival mechanism of minimizing and selecting your data and um, optimizing it for your whatever your goal is. I mean, that is so inbred and not inbred. It's just part of who we are. How on earth do you actively change that? Well, you become conscious of what you're thinking yeah. about, not all the time. No. Because, listen, if you to do it all the time, you'd be in analysis paralysis. So <laughs> right. you have to be choiceful. I always tell people, that we have a series of about 25 neuro prompts that we use. Um, if you chose one or two of those and you used them once or twice a day, you'd be insanely more successful. Well, and if, if you only... Oh, go ahead. Hardest thing you ever do. That, that's it. If you only did 2% improvement, it would have a dramatic impact on your life. If you could do 5% improvement, I mean, we're not, you don't need a lot of change to get incredibly good. Um, let's do right. this. Let's take a break, Holly. I want to uh, take a break, come back, and uh, we're going to start picking your brain, getting more ideas on how to slow down in order to speed up. We're talking with Holly Green. She, she really knows her stuff. The author of More Than a Minute, How to Be an Effective Leader and Manager in Today's Changing World. She's also got a new book coming up, Using Your Brain to Win in Today's Hyper-Paced World. We'll be back after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Voyager 1. Speeding out of our solar system for 35 years, it's still reporting new discoveries from the edge of infinity. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. How far away is Voyager 1 now? The most distant man-made object in space. This plutonium-powered peripatetic is so far away, a radio signal from it traveling at the speed of light still takes 17 hours to reach Earth. Launched at the height of the disco music era, just after America's bicentennial, the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft gave us our first detailed look at the outer planets of the solar system. Using Jupiter's and Saturn's gravity as a slingshot, Voyager 1 headed out towards interstellar space at almost 18 kilometers per second, 
in 2004. It passed the major boundary of solar space where the solar wind comes to a halt. Now, Voyager sensors are being tickled by magnetic field lines that connect our solar system to galactic space. If the solar system had a now-leaving-city-limit sign, this magnetic boundary would be it. Scientists think that highly energetic particles from supernovas trade places with our sun's particles there. And Voyager is still working well enough to observe these magnetic field lines as it crosses them, giving scientists a better picture of the edge of infinity. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Start your morning right by listening to Marcus Smith and the Morning Team. With news, current events, entertainment, and lively conversation, the morning show is here to kickstart your day. The movie will be better than the radio. No, 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 no. The radio is always best. The radio is always best. <laughs> Join Marcus and the team for the Morning Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about getting your life back, taking it back don't fall, uh, not falling into these traps of our mind and how our mind kind of gets us to think and maybe oversimplify, maybe actually just muddy the water in some of our choices. How to get your time back as well. We're talking to Holly Green, the CEO of The Human Factor, Inc., and the author of an upcoming book soon to be released, Using Your Brain to Win in Today's Hyper-Paced World. Holly, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Love, uh, Love your ideas. So, the the brain thing's a big deal, right? Because we're kind of we're wired, and you know this is profoundly. Uh, I, there's I've heard a lot of different numbers, but uh, a lot of this deep wiring that goes on in our brain um, for how we select things, how we choose stuff. It's not it's not even on a cognitive level that we're doing it per se, but we could I guess we could notice it if we would just kind of slow down and start paying attention to some of the patterns and and trying to engage some real thinking and learning. Well, we can certainly, uh, I'll give you an example of a group of people that are excellent at training their brains to pick up on different things than we might normally pick up on. Think about presidential detail, the people that, you know, are assigned in the Secret Service to protect the life of the president. They can be very well trained, in fact, to act counter instinctually, Mm. right, which means putting your life in danger, throwing your body in a bullet, for instance. And so you can be trained to pick up on things. Yeah, the firefighters on 9-11 that all ran into the building when everyone else is running out of the building were trained to get in and do the deal, go fight the fire. Yeah. That's a great one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So, so we can become much more intentional about what we process, what we look for. We can become intentional about understanding that we are always proving ourselves right and every now and then pause and say, you know, what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. What if there's something else? What if my customer or a different stakeholder or my spouse has a different um, perspective? What if if the rules changed and somebody forgot to tell me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's – so that's that's one way. I guess you get these new ideas in. You understand – that you're not, you know, you're not here to know it all. Maybe you can be a learner. What else can we do? What else do we do to kind of slow down the, the slow down a little bit? Well, um, one of my favorites is challenging assumptions. 
to be able to do that, we have a lot of rules floating around in our head. We don't even realize they're rules. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's always fun when I'm working with a group, and especially because I'm going in there intentionally about innovation. I always tell people my job is to set you up, to catch you, to, to, to prove some points so that we can really do things a little different. So I'm really transparent about that, and everybody still falls into exactly the same trap. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I give a, a group of adults an exercise, they all sit quietly and do it by themselves. Yeah. They don't talk to each other. They don't ask me for the answer. They don't try and look on anybody's paper because very early in life you're taught there's a way, and there's only one way that you're supposed to do those kinds of things. Yeah, now, you don't want to cheat. That's called cheating. Uh, right. Even yeah. though, and then you come back and just say, hey, why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Well, I always say that's working great, right? How many of you have values in your company? And one of those values is teamwork. Right. But instinctually, we don't. that has been stripped away from you. Yeah, that's so true. And then, and then we're all of a sudden, we're supposed to be healthy. We're supposed to know how to engage and interact and to trust. And I mean, another thing, I guess, instinctively, we also think only certain people uh, get promoted. And maybe, <laughs> you know, those are the, pe- the people with the ideas get promoted. So why would I share my ideas? Because I've got to keep my ideas in order to get promoted in this company. Well, it's that knowledge is power rule. Yeah. You know, I always loved when Scott Adams came out with the Dilbert, um, with the guy with executive hair. Uh-huh. You know, we don't know anything about him, but he has executive hair. <laughs> that makes the difference. <laughs> it's all in there. Right. Because I, we are creatures that perceive and we act and behave based on perceptions, not necessarily facts. Yeah, right. Which is funny because if we actually would think through that a little bit, we think we're the, we think we're the bomb. But, I mean, we're, we're fairly predictable. That's why every marketer on earth knows exactly what commercial to run to get you in because <laughs> we're so predictable. Yeah. And part yeah. of that's just we're so automatic, aren't we? We don't – we're not necessarily actors in our lives as much as we think we are. We kind of are acted upon a lot more. Right. Right. That's cool. There's even a great book um, actually that you bring that up called Predictably Irrational. Yeah. The, the forces that shape our brains. Yeah. Um, and luckily, there's a, a lot of work now. This neuroscience area has gotten kind of in vogue a bit. You know, Daniel Kahneman is a behavioral scientist who won the Nobel Prize in economics. So finally, our economists recognize that one plus one is not two to the adult human. Oh, that's so great. No, unquestionably, it's not. I mean, just go ask anybody in Washington, D.C. right now. Oh, please. Well, one plus one is uh, equals 74. And well, unless you borrow China, and then it's four trillion. That's exactly trillion, right. right. So. Isn't it great? But we're on top of it because we're pretty sure we almost know what the problem is. Yeah. You know, so there's uh, we, we can look around, and, and we can hold a mirror up to ourselves, certainly, and, and uh, look at ourselves and come up with a million examples oh, yeah. of how this plays out. But this is what kills us in this hyper-paced world because – in a hyper-paced world, you have to manage information, and it sounds like where this is killing us is in information management, you know, and in understanding data, because we make so many assumptions. We're, we, if we're not questioning our assumptions, and it's a hyper-paced world, you're just going to be handed your assumptions, and you're going to be handed the data that certain people need you to have. This is where well, we're handicapped. That, you know, if I was the queen in charge, the first uh, edict I would decree is that everyone had to form a bubble that there was value in thinking, that there's value in slowing down, that it's worth the extra 15 seconds to stop at the red light, that it's worth pausing 
um, in a meeting to actually discuss options and understand some different viewpoints versus dive in and run, 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 and two weeks later have to do it over. That's a great so, you know, rule. That would be my first decree is that you have to have a thought bubble or a mental model that slowing down has value. Mm-hmm. That got stripped away from us. When you walk people walking, watch people walking down the street, what are they doing? They're just working it. They're going fast. Well, they're going fast, and they're on their smart device, and you see new mothers pushing their baby in a stroller, talking on their phone, Facebook, and, you know, et cetera, not talking to their new child. It, it's around us in every way, this notion that speed trumps all. Yeah, movement, speed. Yeah, we even have people talking, oh, man, I'm so busy. Yeah. Really, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm chasing butterflies. <laughs> But it's, yeah. I mean, really, if you don't have a reason for being, I mean, it's, that's it. We equate movement, we equate speed, efficiency to effective and, direct and, and, and healthy. Not and true. And important. Yeah. You know, I, I crack up because I'm on a lot of airplanes. I fly almost every week. And, you know, the second those wheels touch the tarmac, everyone turns on their phone. Well, look around and look at what they're looking at. You know, it's not like, oh, my God, they got to get the phone on and tweet the cure for cancer to their yeah, hospital. No. You know, they're checking their Facebook page. Yeah, they're, they're playing, playing word games with their friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't but, bad if you've got friends. Yeah. Right? It's a good start. If you if you look around, what you recognize is the, the almost peer pressure, if you will, to look busy. Yeah. Holly, we're going to take a break. I want to come back and just dive more into some of the some more of your tools and talk sure. more about this new coming book that's coming out. It sounds like a, it sounds like it's a great one. Um, the book is Using Your Brain to Win in Today's Hyper-Paced World. Boy, that's a novel idea. Now we got to pull our brain out and work. We'll talk to Holly Green all about it right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Here's a show for you deep thinkers, seekers of new ideas and constant learners. It's called Thinking Aloud. You can join host Marcus Smith to hear thoughtful interviews from guests. And with each new show, you can leave more inspired, enlightened, and educated. Tune in weekdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern and 8.30 p.m. Eastern for Thinking Aloud. Here on 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A major snowstorm has been lashing the Great Plains region today, causing at least one death and forcing numerous airport delays. Storm warnings are still in effect from Colorado through Illinois, with some areas expecting around two feet. At a gun control conference just a few miles from the site of the tragic Newtown shooting last December, Vice President Joe Biden drew a hard line, saying there will be moral consequences if Congress refuses to act on the issue. A new Forbes ranking has named Detroit as the most miserable city in the U.S. Due to the high crime rate, high unemployment, and mounting financial crisis, the Motor City has now taken the top spot from Miami, which earned the undesirable honor last year. Las Vegas authorities are now searching for the driver of a Range Rover who allegedly shot at another vehicle early this morning. The attack led to the deaths of three people in two separate vehicles. 
Senator Rand Paul made a surprising and symbolic gesture today, returning $600,000 from his office's budget to the Treasury. Paul's move is meant to show just how easy national spending cuts can be. Your fish may not be what you think it is. A new nationwide study from Oceana shows that out of 120 restaurant samples of fish labeled as red snapper, over 28 different kinds of fish were actually found, with 17 of those not even being in the snapper family. World News, India announced plans today to launch a Mars mission later this year in October, but the mission has caused some controversy, with space exploration being so costly, critics say the money could be better spent helping India's numerous poor. In tech news, Google announced today they are working with a trendy glasses designer as they prepare to launch Google Glasses to the general public this year. The glasses will project the Internet directly into the user's eye. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about getting your head in the game. How about that for a change? Wouldn't it be weird if we actually thought through in our lives in a way that, you know, we started changing things and dealing with the changes of life? Life's coming at a hyper pace. Wouldn't it make sense that we uh, we retrain our brain to some of the skills, the tools we need to deal with that pace instead of just, you know, using the same methods we've used for the last 200 years or so. Uh, We're talking with our great expert, Holly Green. Holly Green is the CEO of The Human Factor. She also was previously the president of the Ken Blanchard Company. And out in the training world, that is an iconic leader of training and, and development. She knows what she's talking about. She is also the author of a book, More Than a Minute, How to Be an Effective Leader and Manager in Today's, today's Changing World. She's also the author of a book that's coming out soon, uh, Using Your Brain to Win in Today's Hyper-Paced World. Holly, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much. You bet. That is a, uh, I mean, I really think it's true. You're, here we sit, you know, we can do so many things. We we have access to so many people. We also have so many more interruptions, potentially. Time stays the same. And if we don't use our brains to and evolve our brains a little bit and some of the things we do with them, uh, we might be just hoping for a change that never comes, <laughs> which we can't do. Hey, tell me this. What else? What other mistakes are we making? Uh, we've kind of talked about negativity. We kind of tend to choose the negative things. We don't always uh, you know, try to get all the data we can. We make a lot of quick assumptions without a lot of thinking behind it. What other mistakes are we making that might be impacting how we're handling our time management? Well, we, we see what we expect to see, and we work hard to prove ourselves right. So we miss some obvious opportunities and threats to our business and ourselves, our, our own professional success. Um, we filter. We filter brains, uh, filter brains, we filter information according to what's worked for us in the past. So yeah. we use old, if you will, we use old software right. to make decisions, right? When, you know, not only do we need new software, the hardware should have been rebooted as well. So It's so true, huh? <laughs> You know, so those are some of the the basic things. Um, You know, our brain has not evolved. Our body has not evolved much. We're still the same basic human we've always been. 
you know, if you think about just for a minute, if we were evolving at the pace of technology, imagine how small our thumbs would be, right? We'd have <laughs> little bitty thumbs. We'd yeah. be able to text accurately. Yeah. But the bottom line is it hasn't. And so parts of the brain are not actually well-suited to work in today's hyper-fast world. Well, right. It's it's interesting because we also make these – the decisions I guess our brain is making, they're instantaneous. They also create yeah. these emotions in us. And maybe even before we have any context on why we're feeling what we're feeling, we're already a little bit hijacked emotionally or afraid and we're covering up or whatever's going on. So, yeah, if our brain's not evolving and if we can't – it's got to be hard to be accessing so much data now more than ever and yet still have this kind of hyper-reactive brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like – it seems like the perfect storm. <laughs> to just go nowhere. And, and and the thing is, is that there's a lot of people making money on us being fairly reactive and predictable. Right. You know what I mean? So people, they're going to keep marketing to us because it seems to work. Um, but it, I guess is it I guess how do we go about actively changing some of these things in our brain? Slow down. Yeah, I, notice yeah. it. What Slow else? Down. Just become aware. That's that's probably uh up there at the top as well is just to become aware of how and why you think or funk the way that you do. Um, that's pretty important to understand that. Let's let's say you walk into a meeting or a room and you have a visceral reaction to someone. You you just they piss you off for some reason. They haven't even said anything. And and to pause and recognize maybe it's because they look like an old boss that you had that was really horrible to you, yeah. and it has nothing to do with them, but your brain is not translating that particularly well in that moment. Right. So a lot of times it's just becoming truly aware of, thing, of what you're thinking about, how and why you're reacting. Again, you can't do this all the time. You'd be highly ineffective. This is about the pendulum has swung so far to the other side of just do, 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 run, 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 that we've got to bring it back just a bit and embed some of that thinking, reflecting time back in. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's, that's huge. Don't you feel, yeah, I, mean, I mean, we need reflection. We need, we almost need some context on our life instead of just movement. I mean, life's more than just being active, <laughs> you know? In, yeah. in the end, when you're, it's it's ironic that as we slow down and our body starts to kind of impede our movement and our activity, we we might right there have the potential to gain this this concept of wisdom where we can be more reflective. But wouldn't it be great to bring that earlier into our lives by kind of intentionally slowing down and thinking, contemplating? Well, uh, and the funny thing is, you know, a lot of studies today are showing that 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 time of slowing down is a very frustrating thing for people entering retirement right now because. Haven't been taught to do that. Haven't been taught what do we do with the time, yeah. you know, and, and people feeling, uh, you know, that they're not worthwhile anymore because they don't need to be on their phone every moment of the day checking their Twitter account and their Facebook and their Pinterest and all of that. Yeah. So it's we've uh, we've created these interesting notions of what has value and what doesn't. And I just think individually we have to get clear on that. Um, and stop colluding with a system that says, gosh, if I turn my phone off for an hour, some, somehow I'm not a person of worth, because obviously I'm not important enough that it needs to be on. Mm. Yeah, then then we might have to grow a new identity. <laughs> what would we base it on? You know, that's a that's an interesting thing. We wouldn't have to base it on just our things, our our phones and our technology and, you know, our right. efficiencies. We'd have to base it, I guess, on on 
our results, our relationships, our connections, our mm-hmm. skill sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? I mean, all it's funny. It's all of it, huh? Yeah, and what's valuable to us, you know, instead of the just doing, the just running, it goes back to that thinking, that the really visiting and playing with our brain a little bit more, using it a little more effectively. Um, and the interesting thing in our brain, without getting into too much scientific detail about the brain and the wiring in the brain, etc., we do create, when we have a synapsis that occurs over and over again, what, what's created is called myelin wiring um, in a very simple level. And the more you do something, the more myelin wiring you have. So I'll give you an example, like um, an athlete, for instance, who practices a thousand times throwing a ball a certain way or kicking a ball a certain way, etc. They're going to have a lot of myelin wiring on those actions, yeah. okay, so that it becomes almost rote behavior for them. And, and that's part of how you get really great at something is that practice. Um, there's a lot of theory around it takes 10,000 hours to create the level yeah. or the, the thickness of myelin wiring to be actually great at something, etc. But it doesn't matter if it's 1,000 hours, 10,000 hours, or even an hour. Once you've got that myelin wiring, keep in mind that just like for – um, an athlete being able to do some kind of rote behavior without having to think on the field, right? In right. the instant, yeah. it is an instinctual reaction. You have the same thing going on at work. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if, if you're doing the same things in a meeting every time, getting frustrated, being angry, whatever, it doesn't take long for that myelin wiring to form either. That's right. That's a rut, isn't and, it? That's less of a, yeah. a route and more of a, or a you know, a, a, that's like a rut. You, then you get in this rut. Hey, who wants to stay late and work this extra thing? Me, 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 me. Let me do it. I want to do it. When in reality, you're already overworked and you're already on 15 projects and you're not doing any of them very well. So quit saying that. Right. <laughs> Have a purpose. Figure out what you're doing. But that, that is it, huh? It's the slowing down. Um, it really is survival, isn't it? We think that's, we think that's how we survive. Today. Yeah, yeah. In, instead of thrive. I mean, I guess thriving is going to be completely different. Yeah. What, uh, what's your big learning? So when you take this, and you've studied this forever, and you go into corporate America, and where is it that it kind of rocks your world? Where, where, does, where do you see the intersection of all this theory in your life? most impact how you live your world now, you live your life? Well, what strikes me almost every day is, is I do live and breathe this and how hard it is, yeah. even for someone who lives and breathes it. It's, you know, I, I find myself getting really frustrated or angry when there's bad customer service at the airport or at the bank or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's very difficult not to react, um, you know, in a way that's appropriate. Um, because I'm just, you know, I'm human and same brain as everybody. And so even when you know this stuff, kind of, it's not overcoming it, but working with it to be more effective is an ongoing challenge. You cannot be an expert at this personally. You can yeah, be an right. expert at understanding it. You, I don't, I've never found anyone who's an expert at managing it for themselves. Well, and that's so, it. Yeah. So. Well, it seems like it almost would trick you because... You could only understand it with your own mind, and your own mind is going to try to obfuscate it anyway and complicate it, you know what I mean, and get you through with the least resources or whatever. Um, It it really is interesting, but I think that's what goes back to what you were saying earlier, that the simple idea of recognizing and understanding the patterns and Mm -hmm. slowing down the patterns, creating some space between you and your response or you and your reaction – 
And that doesn't always mean time. That just sometimes the space just comes with knowledge, with insight, reading a book or two. I mean, the insight, for example, that I see that like a spouse could give a partner if we were open to it without a big yeah. reaction that scares you yeah. away. That insight is enormous. Um, and then instead we don't and we just go with our reactions and then they go with their reactions and we have two kind of primeval <laughs> reactive beings fighting each other and none of us actually know what we're fighting about. Yeah. But yeah. you're sleeping it's on the couch. <laughs> Darn it. It's easy for things to escalate and for us to then look back and go, what the heck? How oh, yeah. did that happen? It wasn't logical, but it, it is. Yeah. Tell us about the your your new book. When's it coming out? How's I guess that's really what we've been talking the most about, right? Well, um, a lot of these concepts are incorporated into the first book as well. The first book kind of breaks it down into five things of first getting really clear on winning. And it, it, it's an organization. It's written for companies specifically. The second book is as well, but there's a lot of also personal and individual takeaway in the second book. Um so the first book really says, you know, start with strategic framework and get really crystal clear on winning, communicate it obsessively, inform, inspire, engage everyone in the organization. Here's ways to do that that take advantage of the brain and leverage the capabilities we have, et cetera. Yeah. So the second book dives a much deeper on some of those concepts. Um, it's got exercises at the end of every chapter to practice, again, individually and or with your team and or with an entire organization. Um, so a lot of playing with your brain exercises, very, very specific on the notion. When I, when I talk about these notions at conferences and, you know, keynote speeches and companies, you know, people always come up to me afterwards and say, oh, my gosh, I, I need everything you just had written down and all the examples you just threw at us in the spur of the moment. And, and so I finally realized we really need to capture this in a place where it is more in black and white and people can go back and reference it time and time again and not just have to try and remember what I said from a stage. Yeah. So it, uh, you know, we teach you how to stop MSUing, and that's one of my favorite phrases. A- a- um, MSU, what is it? MSU. Yeah, it's a highly technical behavioral term um, that we all do a lot, and it's making st- oh, stuff up. Oh, yeah, yeah, good word. Making stuff up. <laughs> or, that, or that other word is what we use. I'm glad you caught it. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> MSUing. But right. I mean, we're, we're always doing that, aren't we? Well, of course, we do because our brain won't live with a void. It fills in the blanks. It creates patterns where there are none. It wants a logical cause and effect when there is none. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a tendency. It's an instinctual response of the adult human, but yeah. it often does not serve us well. And if we don't recognize that's what we've done, we're sure it's a fact or a piece of data, and we act as if it is. That's instead right. of. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it's speculation or interpretation. Well, for example, uh, your husband doesn't talk to you because he hates your guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe he just doesn't talk. <laughs> maybe he's yeah. tired. Maybe. But see, that's why we need to get in and get the data, right? Right. Then right. we get rid of the MSUing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because then as soon as you have one of those notions, then you can prove yourself right. Oh, see, yeah. See how blah, blah, blah. See? And, and so, again, all of these things are instinctual for the adult human. It's recognizing them, being able to pause just a moment every now and then to shift it a little bit. Love it. Okay, Holly, where do they get your book? What's your website? Well, there's a couple they can visit. Um, we have lots of free tools and white papers and uh, templates and all that kind of stuff. So go to morethanaminute.com. 
Okay. And that has an e-commerce store on it where you can get all the free stuff as well. Um, there's more free stuff than there is stuff for sale, actually. And then the other website is thehumanfactor.biz, B-I-Z. And that's where we talk more about the corporate uh, strategic agility work that we do and the leadership development work, et cetera, as well. So Good the stuff. book will be available on both sites. It should be out uh, in an ebook format in the next 30 days, the second book. So we're Great. excited to get that done and start sharing it. Making it happen. Holly Green, so appreciate you joining us. Again, they can find you at morethanaminute.com or thehumanfactor.biz. Really appreciate you. We're going to have to have you back and pick your brain on a few more things. This is in, this is good stuff. Would love it. Would love it. Thank you, Holly. Appreciate it. And uh, really, uh, I really think it's the key. I mean, this overcoming this brain that that most of it we don't even access. It's such a big deal, and so much of it we do naturally. So be thinking about it. Holly's got some great stuff. Get to that website morethanaminute.com. Sounds like there's a lot of great stuff you can go do there as well to just uh, learn. The goal of this show, to give you the ideas, the tools to take your life to another level. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back to wrap it all up right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. With so much information flying at you every day, how do you know what stories are talkworthy? Join Kim Stilson and her guests to help you keep up on the world around you. Tune in for Talkworthy Monday and Friday at 4 Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sometimes it's just better to take things slow. So relax and enjoy the in-depth interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Looking at an important documentary releasing for home audiences, I'm Rog Gustafson. Simply titled Bully, this film takes a careful look at the situation of bullying in schools across the U.S. Director Lee Hirsch talks about his motivation to make the film. As a sort of kid that had been bullied, I feel like on some level, like, maybe I made this film for 12-year-old me. Uh, and for all the kids and adults that have been bullied, that have had this experience, that there's never really been a vehicle for everybody to kind of be able to communicate about that. Um, I'd hope that this film could be that voice for people. Gaining much publicity over its restrictive rating, the movie's distributor has instead decided to release the film without a rating. The R was due to the use of a half dozen sexual expletives spoken by children during confrontations. There are also discussions of suicide. Recommended for viewing by parents and kids together. Get more details on Bully at parentpreviews.com. Keep your conversations up to date and be ready to talk about the stories everyone will want to hear. Find out what's trending by listening to Talkworthy Monday and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Wrapping up the show here on the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We've been talking about kind of time management, but really she got into brain management. Like, you know what bites is now we have to actually think. <sighs> What's next? Like Work? we would actually have to do stuff. <sighs> that might be a little bit too much. I what mean, did you, what did you guys learn? What did you learn? 
Uh, don't I kind of like the don't like let your thoughts. It's kind of like what is it? Not positive thinking, but just yeah. like don't <laughs> mire yourself with your thoughts. Like I I need this to be effective, and yeah. I can't do this because I'm not effective at this. And it it seems like sometimes we will kind of lock ourselves down. Mm-hmm. Like a that will take too much time, right? So I just don't do it. We'll talk ourselves out of it, or yeah, we kind of justify ourselves away. Yeah, like it's still not done, and with those hours I could have used, I still didn't do anything. So how are we better by not doing that? You know who you sound like when you talk like that? Who? Tony Robbins. You sound like a motivational speaker. Have you ever <laughs> thought of that as a profession? Um, I, I mean, have not. You do the rants. They're kind of <laughs> negative and everything. But you could be kind of a negative, ranting, motivational speaker. But would they... I guess, would they so that pay was really me good. to do that? No, no, no. <laughs> no? Then but, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, that. you want to be paid? Well, a little. Greedy. <laughs> Greedy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what else did you learn? Anybody else learn anything? I think just to think positively. Really? Mm-hmm. Just fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> I don't, I don't think we have the rights for that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, Did I just play that song? <laughs> I don't know if it... I, I sang it in a way that I don't know if anyone could recognize it. Okay. okay. Off-key enough that... Off-key enough. And the words... I may have gotten a fa where I should have put a la. Uh, okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you're the, you like the positive thing. Mm-hmm. That, you know, instead of just looking at what we do wrong and kind of dwelling on it, we ought to go figure out kind of the appreciative side what did we learn? What was working? What's good about what this part of our life? Exactly. And also thinking positively about others, you know, seeing uh, how others can be better, how they can improve. Yeah, I like that too. I like too how she got into the fact that we um, – and it seems kind of like duh, but it's interesting how little we actually choose stuff. Like when you go to the store, how many times are you actively in your head when you're choosing? Hmm. Or are you just like me like? I That <laughs> happened to me the other day. Salt me and vinegar hungry. chips. They yeah. were two for one. Yeah. I did not think before. I, but I'm glad I didn't because I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. But still, I didn't. You didn't think. Well, See, but that's predictable. That's from that book, Predictably yeah. Irrational. Ariely. Dan Ariely's his name. Read that book. See, like for being present, I have to make a conscious effort to be present when I'm shopping because otherwise I'll get home like, why did I buy this food? Or like, oh. why did I buy that? You know. I was so. out of town the other day and went shopping just so I didn't have to eat out every day. I bought, I don't know, three times more than I needed, two times more than I needed. <laughs> it's just mindless. And just, then my I wife like eating came this. down and she's like, did you need all this? And I'm like. Do we ever need everything we have? <laughs> what, what do we really need? And then Matt went all philosophical yeah. and tried to get lost. And then she falls asleep, and then I won. And then <laughs> it's the best way to beat her. You just out-talk her. What'd you learn, Sky Boy? Did we wake you up for this? Yeah, I was taking a nap. So. It was amazing. You shouldn't, if you're going to drool on the board. It's amazing how I can go to break and everything in my sleep. That's like, weird. Music it's a habit. We were talking about that. You've learned this routine. Yeah. I think I just dream your show now. So I just kind of do, do you it. Do you too? Yeah. yeah. So you're a super fan. Yeah. Super, super, super fan Super fans always dream my show. <laughs> so true, but not. Hey, I know what you learned today. What did that I That your grandma listens to the show. I did learn that today. <laughs> did that freak you out? It was just very shocking. Yeah, I thought I, it was cute. I wasn't expecting to hear. Well, and you said Gammy? 
When you say gammy, I'm like, don't call her gammy. (laughs) She's your mother, Sonia, or grandmother, Sonia. Well, this was a fun show. It really was. Time management is something that's kind of dear to my heart. I don't do it very well. That's why I've hired people around me to do it, because I don't like to remember things like that. You know what I mean? That's why I have all this technology. And then I don't learn how to use it. And then it costs me twice as much time. That's the, that's the routine she's talking uh, to us about. It's not about more things for crying out loud. It's not about doing more. It's not about being busier. It's the, one of the biggest things I've learned. I don't know what it is. This last month or so, I've had a lot of people teach some really powerful lessons. In fact, you've heard them this week. I've talked about – we talked about Madison's brother that passed away, and that's a huge lesson that it's not about doing more. It's not about – it's about finding some time to be present. We've talked about other clients I've had who – have uh, passed away or been diagnosed with things. And I guess in the end, um, it would sure be great that we don't have a lot of regrets. Uh, We don't want to just sit there and say, you know, but I got a lot done at work. Holy cow, my kids don't know me, but I've made a lot of money for this family. I guess in the end, here's your challenge, and I'm going to leave it with you. Please go start slowing down a little bit your pace. Start questioning, are you somebody that just gets caught up in the quick movement to action before you even make sure you're heading in the right direction. Have you ever um, heard the quote that some people are out there climbing the ladder of success one rung at a time, and they finally get to the top of the ladder and find out that the ladder's against the wrong wall? Our goal is not to just go climb the ladder of success. we got to first make sure we're, we've got that ladder on the right wall, heading in the right direction. To be really efficient at something you shouldn't be doing is a complete waste of your life. And you know, as somebody that wishes I had more time to do more of what I want to do and be more effective at what I love to do and what I know I'm called to do, um, I've got to learn how to do this myself. So I challenge you, get out there, slow down, as Holly taught us, and let's start uh, seeing if we can't put our lives first. Let's start figuring out what matters most. In the last, in the, in the end of your life, if you're sitting there, you know, on your deathbed, What's really going to matter? I challenge you to go think that through. Go sit down with your family and talk about it. What really is going to matter? Maybe it's time to make some apologies, make amends, figure out how we start putting those things that matter most to us first in our life again. That's your goal. That's a challenge. Thanks again for listening to the show. We love having you here. Again, you can find me on Facebook. Just look up Matt Townsend, and we always have new ideas and thoughts there, as well as go to matttownsend.com. Uh, And keep listening to BYU, where we're trying to give you good ideas, something good to see in the world. That's our goal and our dream on this show. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. You've just listened to The Matt Townsend Show with host Dr. Matt Townsend. If you missed the show or want to hear it again, tune in at 7 p.m. Eastern. Coming up next is Real Families, Real Answers. But first, here's the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A major snowstorm has been lashing the Great Plains today, causing at least one death and forcing numerous airport delays. Storm warnings are still in effect from Colorado through Illinois, with some areas expecting around two feet as the storm continues to push east. At a gun control conference just a few miles from the site of the tragic Newtown shooting last December, Vice President Joe Biden drew a hard line, saying there will be moral consequences if Congress refuses to act on the issue.
A new Forbes ranking has named Detroit as the most miserable U.S. city. Due to a high crime rate, high unemployment and mounting financial crisis, the Motor City has now taken the top spot from Miami, which earned the undesirable honor last year. In tech news, Google has announced that they are working with a trendy glasses designer as they prepare to launch Google Glasses to the general public later this year. The glasses will project the Internet directly into the user's eye. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Coming up on Real Families, Real Answers. The flow of contemporary family life is towards less connection, less meaning, Parents are losing touch with what their children are actually doing, and we're losing those kids. Individual or societal problems either begin in or end with the family. I love you all. Every day isn't going to be a picnic, but on the days that it's not, you're committed to the promise that you made. People think of love as this magic that just happens. I don't think so. I think it's something you work for. when the family stood before the world as a unit, its place in our society staked out clearly. Boundaries protected families. Work was done in families. Things like nurturing, educating, and teaching strong moral values. What was best for the family was simply best. But times have changed. Today, families face issues that reach far beyond catching the school bus, the measles, or the neighbor's dog who once again has slipped under the fence. All across America, there is no shortage of opinions about the challenges facing families, what it takes to be a strong family, or even what it means to be a family. Difficulties we face every day are, there's so little time left. Jobs, stress. One of the things that we tend to avoid a lot of time in this country seems, seems to be what I like to call PR, parental responsibility. Parents aren't necessarily knowing how to parent anymore. Children are by themselves on the internet, doing this, doing that. The internet is a big concern for us. I mean, it's like opening a window to here. Anybody, anything can come through. I don't know that families would ever, like ours, would ever think that they had enough time together. Kids being so busy at schoolwork and after school activities, um, it's hard to get them together. What are the types of things that tear families apart today, in your opinion? Um, money. If the money's not there, the friction certainly is. You know, you're, you're both working hard and trying. And... Society has lost a lack of commitment. It's so easy to get a divorce now. Mother and father, they breaking up, and then you got the kids growing up without, without a without a well bond. If you don't have your family, then uh, then you have no one. If a family disintegrates, then unfortunately, I think the society disintegrates. Scholars and religious leaders agree that the family has the first and foremost influence upon individuals and society. It is the single most important unit of society. Well, the best way I think about the family in society is that a family is a people maker. There is no substitute in our society for 
The family as the place where people get born, get raised, mature, and die. We need a larger community and society around, but there is no substitute. There is no social institution that is set up to really grow and develop people like the family. Families are more crucial than we ever really imagined. All of those things that are good and healthy and beneficial in our society that we look for and honor have their roots in strong family life. Doesn't matter what size and shape that family happens to be in, but when they have active, strong family processes going on, the health and well-being of those kids is pretty much assured, a very, very strong predictor of the well-being of those kids and also successive generations as they begin to rear their own families. Well, we know from contemporary research that most of the uh, of children's aptitude for learning is already in place by the time they go to kindergarten. The family is also the chief educational machine of our society as well. Health is mostly determined by what we do in our families, by the eating patterns, by the exercise patterns, uh, by whether we learn to smoke from different relatives, by alcohol patterns we learn in the home. So the family is the driver of health and human capacity. And if the family doesn't do those jobs well, nobody else can do them. We know from years and years of research that individual or societal problems either begin in or end with the family. In our country, we tend to assume that we can't do anything to directly improve families. So when we have social problems, education, health, crime, we look to other social institutions that we think we can change more by public policy. But what we're learning is the limitations of what we can do with public policy if we don't help families, particularly parents, do their jobs in raising children. When we stop and take a look at our own families, especially on those days where time seems tight and patience is thin, it's easy to focus only on what's going wrong. But every family has strengths. And when we focus on what's going right in our families, we have a foundation we can build on. It takes little genius to identify weaknesses in life. Those are readily apparent before us. If you can imagine having a whiteboard in front of you and, and going up and then drawing a big black dot on the middle of that board, immediately our attention is drawn to that black dot. But we ignore the square inches and the vastness of the white surrounding that black dot. In the same way, when we focus on weaknesses, they tend to occupy our attention and we ignore the strength that is already there and all about us. Where's my hug and kiss? Focusing on strengths rather than weakness is a good start, but what are common strengths of successful families? After working with and studying many, many families, experts have concluded that there are nine common characteristics that strong families share. In this episode, we'll learn about three of the nine characteristics and how we can take steps to make them part of our own families. <laughs> it's oh been God. said that 90% of success in life is just showing up. And that's one thing that successful families do. They show up and they hang in there. This is why the first of the nine characteristics that we will discuss is commitment. 
To help us understand this important concept, we spent some time with Chris and Janice Wigginton and their three children in Round Rock, Texas. We both individually had very good foundations and models for uh, committed marriages from our parents. And so um, I didn't uh, have any expectation of anything different for myself than what I experienced growing up. Commitment is keeping a promise. I mean, you, you make a decision and you keep the promise. And my parents made a commitment. And, and I see the benefit of that because of the, the stability that my brother and I had. So when I thought about marriage, there wasn't any question in my mind. When you get married, you're just married. That's it. My commitment to her uh, was made in front of our friends and family in church. And so that's, that's kind of the basis of my commitment. Thank you, Kaylee. Every day isn't going to be a picnic, but on the days that it's not, you're committed to the promise that you made to your spouse and to your family that you're going to make this marriage work. I think just as far as day-to-day living, um, I don't know how I would have gotten through the tough spots without somebody to help drag me along, you know, (laughs) because we've had some times when we really have needed each other more than other times. We have been through some pretty tough times emotionally, kind of individually and together. Uh, You know, I was unemployed for a long period of time, and, and that was real hard for me. And the commitment that she showed was of great value to me. I mean, there are things that we've had to deal with that other people have kind of bailed out on. But knowing that I had somebody I was fully confident was going to be right there by my side is of tremendous value. I like to say that uh, starting a family is like uh, putting a canoe into the Mississippi River here at St. Paul, Minnesota. If you don't paddle, you go south. So the natural drift of family life in our consumer, busy world, full of distractions, full of TV and hardworking and other kinds of things, the flow of contemporary family life is towards less connection, less meaning, less spark. Intentional family is a family that resists those forces that pull us apart by being mindful, uh, planful, using time well, uh, thinking about setting a course, if you will, as a family. How do you work at family life? There's some mythology about family. One myth is that family life comes naturally. But all we need to do is get married, and have a family, and we'll figure it out. Ready, Allie? Oh! (laughs) Go, Allie! If you're not intentional, mindful, planful, thoughtful about family life nowadays, you're going to go south, because that's the drift. The next important ingredient is something so powerful that some say it makes the world go round. Love, or love and appreciation. We visited with the Bennett family in San Marcos, California, to get their thoughts about the importance of love and appreciation. Love uh, is a commitment to the relationship, and it's a feeling that you have, and you develop it over time. You can't have a strong relationship without love. But I also think people think of love as this magic that just happens. I don't think so. I think it's something you work for. 
regularly. Don is completing his residency as a doctor for the U.S. Navy, and his wife Tara supports him from home. They have three children and have been married for 15 years. Love, just like a plant, it needs to be helped to be developed. I feel like our love started out as something small um, and has continued to grow. And I think that's because, well, I know, I know it's because we've continued to nurture it and to help our relationship grow. Love, of course, is the very basis of family life. The, the worst thing a child could ever uh, feel is unloved. As I've become a mom and being a mom, I thought, what is the most important thing that I want to teach my kids? And if they know that they have parents that love them, you can't go wrong. You know, you always have just a safety and strength. Love is the basis of marriage. I like pairing it with appreciation because there is a kind of a general love that I think almost all family members have for one another. But then there is the appreciative love, and that's a little different and a little harder than just an overall love. Actually, I've been wanting to get this down. People can do big things at any one time during a year uh, to show love, but the things that really, I can really tell help grow that love are when I stop and do the laundry for my wife. It's looking for those little things that that will make your life better um, each day. Thank you for doing the laundry, though. You're welcome. Really appreciate that. What we aspire to in contemporary families is uh, appreciative love or love and appreciation to understand our children, our spouses, our siblings, our parents, uh, for the unique person they are, which means actually getting to know them um, in a little bit of depth. One of the wow. things that, especially